1: Hey, Playmakers, what's going on? Hello. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. You know, it's our favorite time of the week. We love having interviews, and I think they just keep getting better and better. Brittany and I just have had so many wonderful conversations with y'all, and today we're diving into an entirely new perspective, which you know that we love because we're all about educational experiences and telling us just what is going on behind the scenes um, in the sports industry. So we're not going to waste any time. We're going to toss it on over to our guest and let her introduce herself.
0: Hi, ladies. My name is Alexis Blankenship, and my husband, Kyle Blankenship, is the head men's basketball coach at LSU Shreveport, and we live in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, We have three kids. Landry, she is six, and she is in first grade. Sloan just turned five, and she is headed into kindergarten, and our son Gentry is three.
2: Back to back to back, huh? You were (laughs) a wonder woman. (laughs) We we are done. We're done.
0: (laughs) They keep us busy, that's for sure.
2: I'm sure you sound very busy. Well, we always love to kind of back it up a little bit and hear how you met your significant other and kind of how you got started in this crazy sports industry.
0: So backing it up to 2012, my mom, I'm an Air Force brat. So my mom did a stint, a year stint in Pakistan, and she is my best friend. And so she was gone and she got stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base here in town. And I was doing online classes um, through the University of Central Florida. That's where I graduated from. And so I came to live with her and I was here for about two weeks and I was invited with a friend. Um, to go downtown and so I did and about 1 30 in the morning I met my husband and <laughs> it was funny because he initially sent over his then assistant who he's now a head coach at an NAIA school but he sent him over introduced himself and we all started talking and come to realize that I graduated from UCF and then my husband played basketball at the University of Tulsa So that's his alma mater. And um, so, yeah, from then on, we we talked every day and started dating and we were a relationship divided because at that time, UCF and, and TU played each other. So, yeah, that's that's that.
1: Yeah, we always love to hear the stories because they're usually the most random interactions and and then poof, you're like into the sports industry and you're trying to figure it out and it's such a whirlwind and I know that everyone in the community can, can relate because it's such a fast paced industry that it's kind of like you better buckle up. And then also you're trying to like figure out your own relationship during that beginning time as well. So with that, what are a few misconceptions or things that people think about this lifestyle, whether it be being a basketball coach, a significant other, or just the way that the lifestyle is that you've figured out? You're like, no, that is not the way that it is.
0: Um, I think a lot of people think if you are in this sports industry that you're at like the D1 level and you get that experience all the time and you get wine and dine and, and charter buses and private planes and all that stuff. And it's not like that at all with his school, small school, six sports. Yeah. It's it's a different feel than D1 and D2 and and all of that. So it really, is just a smaller community and we really don't have you know live tv games and all of that the fans you know are different than d1 so but i will say you know the championship games are still important to us every game is still important to us no matter the level it is our livelihood so we could be d1 d2 d3 it it really all is the same yeah. Yeah. I played
2: NAIA softball. And I think that something I noticed, and I, I'm curious to know if this is the same thing you've noticed as well, but the dedication is almost like tenfold because you have to be like, at these D1 programs and at these places where you have all these resources, you have all of the the staff to be able to do kind of whatever you want to do. There's limited staff and resources at some of these levels. So those people that are in the head coach position or assistant coach position have to do like 10 jobs versus just the one job of being a head coach. Have you noticed that as well?
0: Yes. So we don't have like a weightlifting coordinator you know, on staff. One of Kyle's assistants really does the schoolwork with, you know, he's kind of like that academic advisor Mm -hmm. as well. My husband drives vans. They don't do charter buses unless it's, you know, a four day trip, but they really do wear many hats and there is a lot of dedication as well for all three positions. My, my husband only has two assistants
2: That's the crazy part too, is like, I think people think of, you know, they think of the sports industry and all of these like endless staff members who sometimes you're like, I don't even know what you do, but they're in that type of environment. There's just like three people or, you know, four people that are doing kind of everything. That's crazy.
0: Right. And like in the beginning of my husband's coaching career, he had an assistant and then for a couple of years, he didn't have an assistant. So he was really doing all of the hats. I mean, he was just busy nonstop, and he's also the Raider, and he's on a few different committees, so he wears those hats as well, and so it's, it's always just a busy time all year round.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's such a passion to be able to wear all those hats and not experience burnout. When I hear that you're going into your 12th season doing this, I mean, that is such a just a um, passion and investment of time, like not even for just your significant other, but for you. And with that, knowing that he has to wear multiple hats and you have kiddos together and all of that, how have you managed to balance that weight of the time management as well as being supportive um, in all areas? Because that's a lot to carry.
0: Right. I feel like I put so much pressure on myself during the season Our kids and I, I don't think I've ever missed a home game. I don't think they've ever missed a home game. And, you know, we've always tried to put them into sports now. And so I'm the one who's taking them to practice. I'm going to games. And that's such a struggle because, you know, I get a little bitter because I'm like, I have three kids to take care of. And I have this pressure to go to games. And he doesn't put pressure on me. That's solely on my, on myself, but yeah, yeah. there, there's so much that goes into the season and making it run and work. But I will say that when he does come home, he helps with dinner, you know, he tries not to miss anything and he, he's really good about, about helping out because these, these are his kids as well. So, um, I will give it to him helping. So
2: Was that ever, like, a conversation that you guys had where you told him, like, hey, when you're home, you need to, like, help? Or was that just something that he just automatically did? Because I feel like for them, too, it's sometimes, like, switching off their brain because they're so focused on, like, sports, 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 and then they come home and they still have that in the back of their mind. So did you have to, like, tell him, like, you need to be present or was that just something he automatically did?
0: In the beginning of his career, you know, say, like, after a loss – I would kind of go my way. He would go his way. You know, we would talk the next day. And then once we started having kids, I was like, Hey, like you, you have to parent, you can't Mm -hmm. sulk. And for example, we were at the national tournament. We made it to Kansas city this year and we got, you know, our butts handed to us, but he came back into the hotel room and, you know, life has to go on and he's making our kids, sandwiches, you know, hotel food. Um, (laughs) But no, we've we've had a conversation because, you know, my mental health, I'm sitting there saying, okay, I can't wear all these hats at home as well. And you just sit on the couch and scroll through Twitter and, and all of that. So he's, he's really good about, you know, doing daddy duty. And then if he does do all of his recruiting calls after they go to bed. Or if yes. he has to go to a high school game, he gets them settled or anything he has to do. He makes sure he makes sure that the kids are, are taken care of or he has that's to run awesome. out again. So,
1: yeah, I think that's one of the things that our community always talks about a lot is the like lack of communication leads to the bitterness. And not only is that the only thing that can lead to bitterness, but it's one of the factors because you are wearing more hats than like the traditional significant other that's like a nine to five that, you know, they come home. It's very like routine and we are completely like the opposite of that in our world. And I do feel like if, if it's not a team effort on both ends and Brittany and I don't even have kids and we're still like, you have to be in communication 24 seven with what's going on. And at some point, whether you win or lose, you still have to be able to turn that off and like start again and start that new day, new chapter. And with kiddos, I feel like that's so important because you're like, okay, great. Like, yes, you lost, but like now there's like this whole other world that's going on at home that we need you to be present for. So I love the way that you put that because it really is that team effort like and I think that that's what's so important with that because if there's not a team effort, that's where the bitterness creeps in because it's like I'm handling all this down here and then you're like doing this continually with your job. So I love the way that you put that. And with that, I do want to dive in though with what do you think it is the what do you think is the hardest part of being the significant other for an NAIA school? I want to just talk about maybe things that other
0: significant others don't even realize. One of them is seeing the success of your husband and then not getting that opportunity, you know, to go further at a different level. I mean, I think that's a perspective that I've kind of struggled with a little bit. Another one, I will go with losses. I sometimes take losses harder than my husband does. I just think that's just the competitor and athlete in me.
1: Well, I do want to say, I think that emotion of feeling like you, your significant other could go on to that next level, I completely could understand why you would be like, we worked so hard, like we've done so great in our record, like, let's keep building, let's keep climbing. And I I think that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you're putting in all these hours and doing all this stuff. But I think that there needs to be people like you and your significant other coaching these kids and being around them and their life because I mean, not everyone gets that opportunity to go to D one, D two, D three, and I think that there's got to be a home for these players. And even Brittany, I bet she can relate and be like, "If I didn't have this like program, then I wouldn't be, you know, the person that I am today." So I really can resonate with that, though, where you're like, "I just, I, I think we could go to the next level, but." just hearing 12 seasons into this y'all have made an impact with these players for sure
0: right and and with these players i mean we do get a lot of d1 transfers and it is it is a shock to them you know we don't have like we talked about we don't have the resources of a traditional dorm a nice locker room so whenever they come from these big programs and they come to NAI and it's so, so much smaller. There is that intimacy of building these relationships and actually getting to know these guys because, you know, there's only two assistants, one head coach, and then maybe 12 players. My, my husband doesn't really keep a big roster. So every year I introduce myself and a lot of these guys have, kids. And so I try and get to know them and their kids, their home life, where they're from. And while they're here, you know, we try and have them over for dinner a few times. My kids will do Valentine's Day cards for each player, Halloween stuff. I'll do cookies. So I really try and make them comfortable and feel at home and, and welcome them every year. So this, this year we had 12 new or not even 12, but we had a brand new team. So it was really interesting to, to get to know, you know, all of these guys and make sure that they feel comfortable because they're coming into a program, not knowing anyone and no one on the team can sit there and say, oh yeah, this is how we do stuff. So this was definitely a learning year for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: And I feel like that's the cool part about like having such a small team too, like with basketball because you're able to kind of like get to know these players on like a one-on-one basis versus football. There's so many. And sometimes you're just like, I don't even know some of these kids, which is so sad because Mm -hmm. you're not able to build those relationships. But I do think it's important and kind of the, the blessing of some of these smaller schools that you're able to really get to know players on a one-on-one basis. And also that it kind of makes an impact more so than anything else because People at D1 schools, most of those players get recognized kind of everywhere they go, right? Like it's kind of like something different and they're used to being waited upon. Right. So it's different in the NAI atmosphere because you have to work hard for not as much recognition. So I love that you're able to kind of recognize them and give them that like support. And I think it's just, it's really important, at least from my perspective as, as an athlete, you know, it's important. We had that as well with our coach and his family. And I can just tell you, I still remember it to this day. So Mm -hmm. I think you guys are doing an amazing thing. And with building a community around yourself, has that been a struggle? Or how have you found like your community within the town that you guys are in since you've been there for so long?
0: I find that my community with other coaches' wives, you know, I've become great friends with the baseball coach's wife. She's the athletic trainer as well. But a lot of my community, they're at other schools or Mm -hmm. they're just people that aren't in the sports world. You know, I have to sometimes explain my situation and, oh, Kyle's gone for four days. You know, they have two games or, you know, okay, I can't make that because I have to go to this tournament. But my community is awesome. And, you know, I've been here for 10 years. So I really do have such a strong friendship group here. And that that is completely okay to have your community that is not... Sports related. It's yeah, totally. totally normal, totally fine. But yeah, I do connect with other coaches' wives, not even basketball, but just coaching, period. And even your platform, you know, everyone at no matter what level they're at, what division they're at, what sport they're in, we all get it. We mm-hmm. all, there's some level of just, we have so much in common, even if we don't.
1: Yeah. We, yeah. we kind of
0: just, we get it. So.
1: No. And I, I love the way that you put that because it really is so true. Your community is based on, it should be based on people that are, you know, in your corner and uplifting and are there to just be that sounding board sometimes, but also be, you know, the voice to say, Hey, you should do this instead. I don't know, just to have that support. And it does not have to be because of your significant other's job. And I think that was one of the main reasons Brittany and I always like to go back to the, the core reason why we started, uh, the podcast and that is definitely one of them was just community is what it is and it's what works best for you and it's really cool that we do have the playmakers around in our community that just get it so I love the way that you phrase that. And with just the community in general, what have you found even with community or just for the past several seasons, what have you learned about yourself? Because you go through a lot of transition um, and once you start from your first season till now, that's a lot of life. So what have you learned about yourself through those seasons?
0: So the first couple seasons, super quiet, kept to myself. I was 22 and Kyle he's he's 7 years older than than me so starting out as a 22 year old there are some players that are older that were older than me so it's hard to kind of take me seriously as a coach's girlfriend significant other so now you know i'm more vocal i talk to all the the guys sometimes their parents and i do have a story because i feel like this kind of explains, you know, just my transition throughout these years. At the conference – no, not the conference tournament. It was the opening round down in Alexandria. And one of our players wasn't having a great game. And during halftime, they all come back out. And my husband and I kind of look at each other sometimes throughout the game. And he just looks at me and he goes, he's not coming back out. And so me – You know, with these guys, there's a lot of pride, a lot of ego. And so you automatically think they're having a bad game. They're pouting. They just don't want to come back out because they're not doing well. So he told me, he goes, hey, get Brother Ron. And Brother Ron is a guy from the church that, you know, prays with our guys and is pretty just a motivator, uplifts them. And he goes, hey, get Brother Ron to go in the locker room. And so brother Ron goes and it's about 10 minutes. The game is starting and brother Ron comes back out and he goes, he's just not coming out. And so I don't know what compelled me, but I was like, I need to go to the locker room. I need to talk, you know, to our guy. And so I go down there and I knock on the door and I don't hear anything. And, you know, I just kind of creep in and I see a uniform on the ground and, So I'm like looking, I'm like, okay, he's not in the locker room. And I start walking back and he's in like a shower in his travel gear, sobbing. Mm. And, you know, I, i bend down and I go, Hey, what's going on? And he's just crying, telling me, you know, I'm having girlfriend problems. You know, I miss my kids. My family doesn't support me. I'm having a bad game. And so he's, I mean, going through all these emotions with, with just regular life stuff. And so I talked to him for about 10 minutes and I was like, Hey, we're so proud of you. You know, I want to see you back out there. Your team wants you out there. My kids want to see you out there. And this was a game that was, you know, on our way to Kansas city. Like we had to win this and we had to win another to go to Kansas city. And, I was like, just get back out there. Like, I just want you to know that we love you. Our doors always open, you know, please come talk to Kyle and I. And so I gave him a hug and I had, I shed some tears with him, but he got up and he put his uniform on, you know, I stepped out, he put his uniform on and he walked back out. And to me as a coach's wife, that was my like moment of this is, what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm mm-hmm. supposed to love on these guys, make sure they know that we support them. And, you know, after 11 seasons and having that moment, I was like, okay, this, you know, this is part of the journey. And I was so thankful that he let me share those emotions with him. And it was just great. He, he didn't go back in because, you know, he's feeling all these emotions, but to see him walk back out and sit on the bench with the guys. I was like that was awesome. So I, love I have that. chills. <laughs> that like touches my heartstrings.
2: I just love that you know you you really took it upon yourself to kind of dive into this experience and be what these boys need you to be. I think that's the crazy part about it is they are boys like although we do think of them sometimes when we see them on TV or when we see them play and Especially when you see them, I'm sure with your kids, you're like, these guys are like grown men, right? right? But they're not and they're they're boys and they go through things and they, you know, they have tough days. And I think that's the crazy part about it is like at the end of the day, they're just human. And you being able to like be there for them and, and relate to them and kind of honestly be a motherly figure when they might not have one there is so important. And I just love that you were able to do that for him. That's so
0: sweet. That's how I've evolved because- if I was 22 starting out, I don't think I would have went in the locker room because he's not going to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'm sitting there with him having these relationship experience and and having the, those feelings and emotions that he's having. I mean, I was going through it at 22 as well. So that's how I've evolved.
2: How do you think that you kind of stepped into that role? Because I think, you know, like you mentioned, you were 22, you probably wouldn't have done the same thing, but maybe you could help someone that is 22 that would want to do the same thing. So how do you feel like you kind of made that transition from being scared to do something like that and kind of feeling comfortable in your own shoes?
0: I mean, I think it would always be a great thing to have these relationships with these players, no matter how old you are as a coach's wife. Mm -hmm. I wish I did that, you know, at 22. But I think just having a family of my own and experiencing – these past 11 seasons and, and each season I'm growing, I'm learning. So mm-hmm. I still have a lot of learning to do, but it would never hurt to have, you know, relationship with the players, no matter how old you are. Cause yeah, you know, yeah. they appreciate being loved on and cared for and, and having just that open door to kind of talk about life, you know, cause it's not just about sports, mm-hmm. you know, you win, lose, you win championships, but outside of that, you know, you want to cultivate those long lasting relationships. And it's so great, because Kyle, he still has great relationships with the first team he ever coached.
1: Yeah, I I was sitting there listening, and I was kind of backtracking. I was 22 as well, when I first started out. And I kind of was playing some like memories through my mind of how scared I was, because you know, the players are calling you ma'am, but you're both the same age. It was so strange. And I remember just being like, I'm literally your age like I saw you on the you know the strip on Saturday hanging out it's kind of weird um so you know just learning little things like that like you can't you know even interact with players the same way that when you were in college so it was It was definitely a learning curve, and I'm glad that you put it that way, though, because there's no age or limit that should be put on it for you to be involved. I feel like age is just a number when it comes to this because this lifestyle comes in all different ways, and just the way that you embraced it is so neat. And I love that story because... He will remember that forever, that he had someone in his corner, even when he felt like at his, you know, lowest in that moment. And I want to move forward to talk about raising kiddos because that's its own. I mean, its own category. And I think that it is a lot of just Just pressure with our community because everyone wants to make sure they're doing it right. It's like everyone's asking, like, am I supposed to be doing this? So just kind of dive into what has it been like raising your kids um, in the basketball industry so far?
0: To be honest, I love it. I love the relationships my kids are having. Game time, you know, my mom, she retired from the Air Force and thankfully they were stationed at Barksdale for two years So she would come, she would watch my youngest son because he was a toddler at the time. And I would take the girls and and go to games. But now that she moved, this past season was the first season I had to have all three there. And, you know, they're barefoot, they're running in the stands, (laughs) you know, after the game. And, you know, these people are looking at me like, hey, your kids are running up in the stands. I'm like, hey, this is their second home. They're gym rats. This is a battle I don't want to fight. But... (laughs) I love seeing the relationships my kids are making, these core memories. My son Gentry, this past season, Kyle and his assistants would take Gentry after a win into the locker room. You know, they're throwing water and they're singing and chanting. And, you know, I hope, I don't think he'll remember at at two and three, but I hope this is what continues, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for my kids to have those experiences and, and memories. And and like I said, we don't miss a home game and games start at seven 30 and we just make it work. You know, even with school, we have late nights and we kind of just make it work and adapt and kids are resilient anyways, but I feel like this is such a special time that I really don't want them to miss.
2: Yeah, that's a good perspective too and, and we've heard that kind of a lot actually on, on our podcast and with our interviews is that, you know, you just make it work and whatever works best for your family is what works best for your family. There's not one way to do something and I think the memories and like they're not going to remember that they went to bed at 8 p.m every single night. Like they're not going to, you know, like they're going to remember like, oh, I got to spend so much time with my dad and he did this and it was so fun. So that's so cool that you get to create that for them. And with recruiting, I kind of want to talk about that because, and maybe I'm wrong, with NAIA recruiting, I'm sure he's on the road a lot and kind of gone a lot. So how have you been able to share that experience with your kids? Like, do they understand, like, why he's gone so much? And and obviously for games and such as well. But I'm sure he's kind of gone year-round and not just during basketball season. So how have you done that with your with your kiddos?
0: To be honest, I feel like my husband is this rare unicorn of a coach because <laughs> he really does not go on the road a lot. I mean, there might be some JUCO tournaments in Dallas that he goes to that's like a day trip high school tournaments you know down south that's a day trip uh Twitter is he on Twitter a lot absolutely <laughs> is he scrolling yeah. right? I, I don't yeah, even that's, have that's I don't even have Twitter but I'm like I just want to get a Twitter account just to have conversations with my husband because I know he's on Twitter yeah. but no you know he will go to Jugo games and high school games occasionally, but in and, and the portal, he's on the portal a lot. Mm-hmm. But okay. recruiting wise, you know, he recruits a lot of local kids, you know, even past players kind of recruit for him. Like, hey, I have this player, you know, he'll text, they'll text Kyle and hey, I have this player that's interested and my buddy wants to come play. But no, to say that, that Kyle is on the road a lot. He's really not. And that's so... Awesome. I'm very, very grateful for that.
1: Yeah. No, that is but,
0: incredible. But yeah. when he does have these two long road trips, you know, four days at a time, you know, my kids will sit there and say, I miss daddy. And I'm like, listen, sister, so do I. Like, I, I <laughs> mean, I want the help. But no, he, he really does do a great job of work-life balance. And so I'm very thankful because he'll remind me all the time, hey, Alexis, if I'm D1 assistant, you're not going to see me all of June, or you're not Mm going to see me in July. And so I'm very thankful that I do see him. And and it really does put into perspective of, you know, you sit there and you wish like, maybe one day my husband can be a D1 coach and be on the big stage and stuff like that. But also, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, I wouldn't see him as much. And, you know, this summer, that's our time, we travel a lot. I'm from Florida. And so we we always make two trips to Florida in the summer and, you know, I'm going to Spain in June. So he, he's going to be with the kids for 12 days by himself. And I, I know we wouldn't be able to do that if, you know, he was at a, at a different level. So,
1: yeah, that's a good way to, to look at it. I like the, is the grass really greener on the other side, because I think even if you're at the D one level, I mean, Brittany and I have also had those thoughts where we're like, What if... (laughs) We didn't have to do it this way. I mean, and it it comes down to you know its perspective, and it's so hard to to keep that like in mind sometimes. But I want to know, as a mom, I, has there been anything when you were first having kids and you were like, "I will never do X, Y, and Z," and then you ended up actually doing it? Because what comes to mind, <laughs> and I know y'all are giggling, but what comes to mind is people saying, "I will never let my kids have an iPad in the stands." And I've heard that a bunch of times and I'm like, shoot, if they are bored and they want an iPad, I'm, I'm probably going to give them an iPad, to be honest, but I don't have kids so I can't, I
0: can't weigh in. So let me know. Okay. So when our first... Before she was in was born, I was like, I'm gonna be the crunchiest of the crunchiest moms. And I'm going to make her food all organic, no processed foods, iPads, nothing like that. Now I'm I'm doing Velveeta singles, Dino <laughs> Nuggets, uh, you know, snack bag at the gym. They have popcorn all the time. There was one time, you know, my kids spilled all their snacks, and I'm like, <laughs> I need something. I need you know, food to save me my sanity. So I'm like picking up and I'm like, here, just, just eat it. Like I, I'm picking and choosing my battles. Yeah. So whatever keeps me sane throughout the game, just throughout the life period, you know, a lot of people are so anti iPad and, you know, to an extent, but I'm yeah. like, listen, I have three kids. He's on the road or during a basketball game. And it would be funny because Kyle would sit there and say, oh, did you see this play? Did you? And I'm like, no i can't watch and you know three littles are running around and you know bothering people and stuff like that so
1: i love that though that's what the answer i was looking for because i'm like i i feel like even you know you make rules for yourself and then you're like i yeah it doesn't it's it shouldn't be that way so (laughs) no
0: whatever you have to do to survive Yep. That's my motto. So, and no judgment. I, whenever I see parents and their kids don't have shoes on and they're running around, I'm like, hey, listen, I get it. So I'm right there with you. (laughs) I
2: think that's like the parent pack too. Everyone's like, we get it. We were there, you know, like just like on flights too. Like if kids are crying or screaming or anything like that. And then there's parents that turn around, they're like, we were there. Like, you're good. You're good to go. And I think that's kind of like a cool
0: club that people are part of because otherwise yeah. they're like so stressed <laughs> talking about flights i had such a traumatic experience with my landry and sloan when they were one and two i had to travel by myself because kyle had some event to go to and i was like never again you know they're screaming i have ipads an entire bag full of snacks they don't want anything to do with it. No one offered help. And so when Kyle travels by himself, like on a plane, he'll be like, oh, yeah, baby screaming. But, you know, I told the parents, like, you know, if they need help or whatever. So he gets it. I always make sure that I offer help any way I can. Grocery store, if there's a kid, you know, crying or whatever, or they're nursing. I'm like, hey, can I can I get this for you? yeah. So it's just, you know, a challenge. It's a journey. It's it's our season of life right now. Mm-hmm. That's what I always Yeah. Think.
2: That's a good perspective for us that don't have kids too to to kind of offer help when people are mm-hmm. maybe maybe need it. Maybe they won't take it, but at least to, to offer is always important. So I like that. We ask this at the end of every interview. So if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something just getting started. I know we kind of talked a little bit about it, but what would you tell yourself? to help you kind of survive the sports industry?
0: I think personal experience, you know, friendships, they kind of come and go. Sports is a a finicky industry. So don't feel bad when a relationship friendship ends. I always put pressure on myself to be friends with everyone and you don't always have to do that. So you know ideally do you want these friendships to last forever absolutely but it's okay when they don't you know at the end of the day my husband and I always say we have this saying same, same team and at the end of the day it's you know our team that's what we we focus on and yeah it's okay it's okay to move on from friendships and just
1: Yeah, I truly believe it's definitely sometimes relationships are for a season and for a reason like that, you know, little saying that you've everyone's probably heard, but it I have noticed that in the industry over the longer that I'm in it, it's it's not quantity, it's quality over quantity. And the smaller, the smaller amount of close knit, trustworthy people are sometimes the best because it's just too hard to keep up with everything else so I think that is just a great piece of advice that I mean my younger self is probably like what like listening to that but I think it's perfect and we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and I know that everyone has learned and gained something for themselves from this talk and if anyone wants to find you we'll link um, your Instagram in the show notes and we'll probably have other ladies reaching out to you so thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you
2: so much. And thank you to everyone that's listening.
1: And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season podcast.
2: You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season podcast or on TikTok at More Than a Season for the latest updates.
1: If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.